0: Today we are continuing our series, Modern Family, and our focus for today is going to be on what I believe is the most important relationship in the family, and that is the relationship between the husband and the wife. I'd like to start off by telling you this story. There was a little girl, she went to a wedding with her mom. She had never been to one before, and she was really excited about it. So they sat down at the wedding, and the girl was just absolutely enamored by you know, all the candles that were up there. She saw the little flower girl coming down. And then when the bride came down, I mean, she was like, that lady is gorgeous. And so she looked at her mom and she said, Mom, that is the, that is the coolest dress I've ever seen. She said, why is her dress white? And the mother said, you know, because it's the happiest day of her life, and it's a symbol of purity and joy and all those things. And the girl was smiling. She's like, I get it. And then after a while, she sat there and she said, well, why is the groom wearing black? And, uh, you know, kids are smart, you know, right? Right. And so uh, maybe y'all don't think that's funny. I do. And so kids are very smart. But one thing that I, that I know is that in the marriage relationship, there's a lot of great things about marriage, but there's nothing that will destroy a marriage quicker than infidelity. And one of the major gateways into infidelity in marriage is, the, for one, is the, the uh, pornographic industry. I, I just did some research and some study on it this past the past couple of weeks, I'm just absolutely blown away by it. It is a hundred billion dollar business a year. That is bigger than Apple, Netflix, Yahoo, all the major companies in the United States combined. It is bigger than all sports combined in revenue. It is a major problem. As a matter of fact, I saw one stat that really, that made me nervous, and that is that a, that the average age of a child's or a person's exposure to pornography is 11 years old. Now, if you're wondering, when should I talk to my child, you know, about the birds and the bees or about sex? Let me tell you something, it's right now. We need to take care of that problem now. 56% of divorces that take place, they cited pornography being a major problem in their marriage. And I'm just mentioning one aspect of the degradation that we see in our families. And so the question is, is there any hope for marriage? Is there any hope for for people who get married in the modern world today? Because it looks pretty dire in a lot of ways. But I want to share with you some good news. I honestly believe that there is hope. And there's hope because of the God that we serve. And the Bible speaks about the hope that we have. Now, today in the passage of Scripture we're going to look at, we're going to see a guy who wrote the book of Hebrews, and he's writing to a group of Christians. And in the last chapter of this book, he gave them some encouragement. And the last word of encouragement he gave them dealt with marriage, dealt with the relationship between a husband and a wife. And he shared with them the importance in their marriage of fidelity, of being faithful to one another. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 4. If you're curious where that is, go all the way to the end of your Bible on the far right, and then just start flipping back to your left. And hopefully you're going to run into Hebrews. But the overall, while you're turning there, the overall theme of the book of Hebrews is the author of Hebrews was trying to relay a message to the people he was writing to. And that message was that the only thing you need in life is Jesus. Jesus is sufficient for you in every area of your life. Spiritually, He's sufficient for you in your workplace. He's sufficient for you in your marriages. Now, what was going on is the people that were being written to, they were most of them were converted Jewish people. That's it's called the book of Hebrews. And so they're converted Jewish people, but they thought that in order to honor God, they needed more than simply Jesus. They thought, well, I need to be sure that I'm following what the Old Testament law says. And there's nothing wrong with the law in the Old Testament. The only problem is, is if you're trying to justify yourself with God by being obedient to the law, you're going you're to fail every time. And The reason why is that there's no one who is able to perfectly keep the law that God has given us. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews said, The good news, is for, us, good news for us is Jesus came here. And He came here to be a mediator that stands between us and God. In Hebrews 9.15 it says, "...Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that He's died as a ransom, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant." And I said, what does all that mean? What that means is the result of that is that we have the, the ability, through the power of Jesus, not to be affected by the ultimate consequences of sin." When a person comes into a relationship with Jesus, when they say, "God, here's my life and I give it to you." You know what God does? Is he changes you. He gives you a new heart, he gives you new desires in your life. Jesus said in John 14:15, he said, "If you love me, you will obey what I command." Now, Christians, in other words, your love for Jesus, if you really love Jesus, it's going to come out in the way that you live your life. The kind of actions that you have in your life. And if we desire, if Village Church desires to see our community see Jesus, you know one place where people ought to be able to see Jesus in Christians' lives? It's in their marriages. They ought to be able to see the power of God at work in our relationship with those that we are married to. And today our focus is going to be on fidelity, because I really believe that it begins with fidelity, with faithfulness. And so the question for us today is, well, how in the world can we stay on a path of fidelity in our marriages? And I just want to share with you, all this will be a little bit different. I'm just going to share with you two steps. Normally it's three, but today we're just going to look two, at two because I don't have time for three. So uh, the, the very, first, very first step that we are to take as believers to stay on a path to fidelity is it begins with us honoring marriage. You want to be faithful to your spouse? You know where it begins with you and with me, Biblically. It begins with honoring marriage. Now, look with me in Hebrews 13, verse number 4. It says, marriage must be respected, and that word respected could also be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge immoral people and adulterers. Whenever you look throughout Scripture, one thing you're going to find is that God always has honored marriage. Now, I did see some stats that say that Americans... Fewer and fewer people are actually getting married these days. Now, I want you to understand that the marriage is not a bad thing. I think there's some, there's some bad raps that come with marriage. But I want you to know that in God's eyes, marriage is special. You know who, you know who invented marriage? It was God. God made it from the very beginning in Genesis 2.24. That's what God said. He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife... And they will become one flesh. God's always honored marriage. What, do y'all remember this? What, what, do y'all remember, the, what's the very first miracle, that Je, the recorded miracle that Jesus performed? y'all remember? Yeah, he turned, he turned yeah, of course, y'all, y'all are talking about wine already. Yeah, he turned, he turned water into wine, right? Where did he do that? He did it at a wedding. So it's kind of interesting to me. God has always honored marriage. Uh, Jesus refers to the church those who are his followers he refers to him uh, to them as the bride of christ and that's why our text tells us that we are to respect we are to honor marriage marriage should be honored by all and that word respect that we see in verse number let's see verse number 4 here's what it means it means to be held as of a great price to be esteemed marriage is to be esteemed it's a picture of someone who finds a precious jewel. That's what marriage is. Now, if you found a precious jewel, well, what do you want to make sure that you do with that jewel? You don't want to lose it, do you? You want to do whatever you can to hang on to it. You want to protect it. And that is the picture that is being painted here. That God desires for us to protect our marriages like it is a precious jewel. And, And when we first get married, I think we all have that intention and it's exciting. But after you've been married for a period of time, there's an old saying that's very true. It says familiarity breeds contempt, right? And after you've been married for a while... Gosh, it's real easy not to respect marriage like you used to. You know, not to honor it like you used to, to sort of become familiar with it, like it's really not that big of a deal. Now, what I, what I want to encourage you to do at this time is, I just, for those of you who are married, I want you to think about what it was that first, you know, those very first meetings that you had with your spouse, what were some of those things, and don't tell me out loud, just think them, that, that attracted you to your spouse, you know, what were the things that you thought, I really like that about that person. Uh, now, I can't speak necessarily. I can make some guesses about Emily, what she thought about me. I know for, for me, the thing that attracted me to Emily, other than her legs, was her, uh, her great spiritual life. And actually, when I first met her, that's not what it was. The thing that, for me, you know what it was in her personality? Is Emily's, if, I don't know if, how many of you all really know Emily. Emily is tremendously steady. My wife is not; she's not up, she's not down very much. She's just real even, and for me, that really works well. Uh, people who are on emotional rollercoaster rides—I'm not a drama guy. You know, it, I know some of y'all watch that, um, and it, it's got to be a sin. Uh, what's that? Real Housewives of like New York? Yeah, if you watch that, man, you, there's no way you're going to heaven. That show drives me insane. And any—I mean, you watch that show, and what do they do? They're fighting all the time. That drama like that, I hate it. Cannot stand it. So, one thing I really liked about Emily, she's very steady, very easygoing. Uh, for Emily, I think for her, the thing that she was attracted to me about was, I, you know, I'm just hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, and, and good looking. And so, those, you know, those are probably the things that she really liked about me. And uh, so, I don't know, she's not here to, to tell us. But, uh, but for me, that's, that's what I was attracted to Emily about. But what is interesting, and whatever it is that attracted, to you, that attracted you to your spouse, isn't it interesting that after you get married, those things that attracted you eventually become the things that can irritate you? And, and I know for, for me, again, speaking from my perspective, the thing that I was attracted to Emily about was, was her evenness, her steadiness, that she was not on an, emo, an emotional roller coaster ride. But after a period of time, I thought, I wish she was more spontaneous. You know, isn't that bizarre? And I was like, yeah, I wish, I wish she would be a little more excitable. I wish, that, I wish that she thought, you know, I'm hilarious. She should laugh more at my jokes. And so those things that that, uh, that, I, that I was attracted to her about, eventually they, they became a frustration to me. And so what happened is I would get aggravated at her. And then was I honoring and respecting marriage? Y'all, to be honest with you, there came times when I wasn't. And, and, and very simply what it was for me is I was just selfish. I was selfish. I was looking out... For myself and there are way too many of us that whenever we look at marriage, we're looking at marriage to see what am I getting out of our marriage? Y'all that is the wrong question. The question is, what am I giving to my marriage? Not what am I getting? What am I giving? You know, the greatest picture of marriage that we see in Scripture is Jesus Himself. And you might say, well, Jesus was never married. Well, remember, who is the bride of Christ? It's, It's the followers of Jesus. That's, that's why we get a good picture of what marriage is to be. In Ephesians 5, verses 25-27, through 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, what is the example given to us in these verses? It's real simple, y'all. It's Christ loves His bride. He loves the church. How much does He love the church? He loves it so much that He's willing to give Himself up for her. Was it because, is it because we're deserving of that? Does Christ love us because you know, we're His bride and He looks at us and says, Man, they're really good people. I'm going to love them. They deserve it. Absolutely not. Say, how do you know that? Romans 5.8. It says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners. Not while we were yet great people. While we were yet sinners. It says, Christ died for us. Now, how does that play out for us in our marriages? Here's how. We are to honor, and y'all, I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm not up, up here speaking to you as a marriage expert. Just ask my wife. But let me tell you something. We are to honor, we are to respect, we are to serve our spouses regardless of their performance. Is that a shocker? We're to serve our spouses regardless of their performance. Now, why is that? Because the best example we have of this is Jesus Himself. And Jesus loved us regardless. You know, I know for me, whenever I'm a a jerk to my wife, and it does happen occasionally, you know, like once every ten years. And it happens occasionally. But you know what? When my wife responds to me with grace, man, I want to serve her. Whenever my wife responds to me with grace, I want to repent. And I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all, I'm in need of grace. I'm in need of grace in my marriage. I'm in need of grace in my relationship with God. Because if I don't receive grace, I'm not going to get anywhere. If my wife was not willing to give me grace, our marriage is in trouble. I need grace. Just like God has given you and me grace grace. Let me me try to give an example. There was a a man who's trying to sail across the Atlantic in a sailboat. It's a true story. And he's doing well, but after a period of time, he'd been sailing for a couple of weeks, he ends up getting into a part of, uh, he he ends up running into some weird weather. Not that it was wavy, but the wind quit blowing. He's in a sailboat. And it's just dead calm. And the water is like glass. And the wind does not move or blow for three days. Can you imagine that? I mean, it'd be wonderful. He's sitting on a sailboat, no wind, and he's just sitting still. Third day, he's going crazy. And so he says, I've got to make this boat move. And so he gets up and he begins, to, he leans on the mast and he begins to shove against it. And he's thinking, maybe I can scoot it. You know, just scoot the boat along. And as he's shoving against the mast, he said, it's creating a ripple effect. And he said, little tiny waves are coming up. And he said, I'm thinking I'm moving a little bit. He's real excited. He does it for 45 minutes and he looks up and he's not moved one inch. Now I think that story is a good example of what happens to a lot of us in our lives. You see, the source of our strength does not lie in us. Does not lie in my power. Does not lie in all my exertions and efforts and my willpower. None of those things. The only way that I'm able to move forward in life and in my marriage is through grace. Not by my own efforts, but through grace. Now, in, in marriage, there are times when we hit dead seas. You know, in marriage, there are times whenever we hit those places where it just sort of becomes stagnant. Times whenever we're going through our marriages and you know, maybe our spouses aren't responding to us like we would like them to or maybe we've done something for them and they've not acknowledged it and it ticks us off. Maybe they've been rude to us, and and we're irritated, so we're rude back, and and then we decide I'm going to make this thing. This is driving me crazy. I'm sick of this. I'm going to make this. I'm going to change this. And so we're sort of like the guy on the sailboat. We start, you know, we start shoving on the mast, and I'm going to I'm going to exert some effort here, and I'm going to get this thing going, and I'm going to tell them, hey, listen, you need to pay attention. The reason why that I the reason why I've been a jerk to you is because you've been a jerk to me. It's cause and effect. Have you all ever used that one before? I remember when I first got married, I was like, you know, the, I don't just act this way because I feel like it. I was like, you know, there's cause and effect. You act one way and I'm going to respond another. That does not work. What does work? It's grace. You want your marriage to change? Guys, it begins with grace. Every so often I'll talk to people in, 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 about their marriages, which does make my wife smile. And uh, in a, a cynical kind of way. And so I talk to people, and they'll, they'll come in. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and they'll say, Hey, listen, this, this is what's going on in our marriage. We, you know, we're, we're really struggling. We don't love each other anymore. Um, you know, we're ready to give up. We're ready to move on. You know, we're, we're just tired of it. And, and here's my response. They say, What should we do? My response is this. Honor your spouse. Respect your marriage. And they say, but they don't deserve it. They probably don't. But if they deserved it, it would not be grace. The fact of the matter is, in your relationship with God, you and I don't deserve anything from God. The only reason why we receive any good things from God is because of grace. You know, if we're married to Jesus... Think about the way we've treated Jesus. Let me tell you something. There's not a whole lot of fidelity in our relationship with Jesus when it comes down to it. And Jesus came. What did we do to Jesus when he came here? Yeah, we killed him. Put him on a cross. We drove nails through his hands. We crammed a crown of thorns on his head. We grabbed a spear and shoved it to his side. Is that faithful? Absolutely not. Absolutely not we deserve anything from God after treating Him that way? Absolutely not. And yet, how did God deal with us it's grace? How do we respond? Well, we say, well, I'm going to be obedient to God's Word when I like what it says. I'm going to be obedient to the leadership of God whenever it's convenient for me. And yet, God, whenever He sees our unfaithfulness, He responds to us by seeking after us and giving us grace because He loves us. So what does that mean for us? Guys, the first the first step to get our marriages on a path of fidelity it begins with us honoring and respecting marriage. Not because of who the person is, because God has called us to honor marriage, so we're going to do it. How do we stay on to a path of fidelity? Here's here's the last one I want to share with you. Another step to get us on the path of fidelity in marriage is this one. And this is is an important one. It is to keep your marriage pure. Keep your marriage pure. In verse number 4, it says, Marriage must be respected by all. That means to to honor it. And then here's an important part right here. It says, And the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge immoral people and adulterers. Now, the writer in the book of Hebrews tells us this. He says that our marriage bed is to be undefiled. That that word, undefiled, it's in reference to keeping it free from that which is deformed. In other words, we are to, and this is talking about sexual purity in marriage. It means to use sexual purity or to use sex in your marriage in the way that God intended it to be used. Now, obviously, in marriage, there's a lot of different aspects to marriage. But there's only one thing that really gives it a distinguishing mark. It's, it's not, let's see, the, in, in marriage, the one distinguishing mark in marriage is not that your spouse cooks for you. My mom cooks for me whenever I go to her house. It does not mean that we're married. Um, it, marriage does not, just because you live with somebody, does not mean that you are married. When I was in college, I lived with three guys, and I'm here to tell you, I promise you, we were not married. We just all lived together. So that's not the distinguishing mark. You know what makes marriage different than other relationships? Very simply, it comes down to the it's it's a sexual relationship. That's one thing that makes it different. You don't that doesn't happen with everybody, right? Now some of you might say, Well, it has with me. Some of you might say, you know, I've 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 had relationships with a lot of people. That doesn't mean we're married. That's correct. You're not married. But what's happened is you've gone outside of God's bounds. It's something that's only to take place within marriage. Otherwise, using an old-fashioned word, what you are doing is you are fornicating. And you might say, well, is that, is that really that big of a deal? You know, because it seems like it's very acceptable in our society today. Y'all, we're not talking about what society, society says. I want to talk to you about what Scripture says. Is a physical relationship outside of marriage? Is it really all that important? Let me read to you a couple of verses that show it's pretty important. First Thessalonians four three says it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So okay, that's what that's what the Bible says. Uh, anything more specific? Yes, we're told in First Corinthians six nine and ten. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, which was a really perverted place. He said, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Do you think sexual purity is a big deal? I read that verse and I go, "Yeah." That's pretty important. It says if we are not pure, that we are told that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. What this is telling me is that God values highly purity in the marriage relationship. And if we don't value it highly, guys, we are removing its, its value. If we go outside of God's bounds for marriage, then what we're doing is we're, we're lessening how important it is. In the 1960s, Hugh Hefner, I'm sure that many of you don't know who he is. Um, so if you don't know who he is, he's the guy that founded Playboy magazine. I know it's a shock for most of you. But let me, let me share with you what he said in the 1960s. He said, sex is a normal function of the body. It's a desire that man shares with the animals, just like sleeping and eating. Therefore, it's not wrong to satisfy these normal desires. Now, I mean, some people agree with that. Our society has bought that philosophy hook, line, and sinker. And what do we say? We say, if it feels good, do it. It's natural. It's normal. There can't be anything wrong with it. Let me tell you something. If you do that, if you buy into that philosophy, you are lessening the value of what God has said is very special. You know, there's something, there, and, and I, within the men, man and woman relationship, there, there is something very special about Mystery. About not stepping over those bounds before you get married. And let me tell you something. uh, Girls, and uh, this will be more true in the the second service, we have a lot of the youth that come here, and I'll I'll be happy to tell them. So if you you allow yourself to be exploited by a young man, nine times out of ten, he's going to eventually drop you like a hot rock. There's something powerful about mystery. You know, we, I really believe this, we reap what we sow and if we sow infidelity if we sow practicing sex outside of a relationship without without outside of marriage there's there's some things that we're going to reap from that let me try to give an example i don't know how good of an example this is i got my wife to read this before i talk to y'all uh today because i said you know she's pretty good and a lot of times she'll say yeah you don't need to say that i've already said a couple of things she already said no to but uh, this is one of the stories she uh, she said. Yeah, I don't get it, but maybe y'all will. I don't know. Uh, it's a, the Grimm's Grimm's fairy tales. Y'all heard of those before? There's there's one I thought was just kind of interesting. There's a guy and his uh, uh, a man and his wife uh, had to take care of his father. His father had gotten older and he couldn't take care of himself anymore. His mother had died, and so the father comes to live with them. The daughter-in-law is upset. She doesn't want him there. But they bring him into the family anyway, and as he gets older, he can't take care of himself. He's not able to eat. Whenever he eats, you know, he gets food all over his face, and it drives the, the daughter-in-law crazy. And she just comes up to him, and you know, I'm paraphrasing this greatly because it's a long story. So she comes up to him, and she tells him, she said, if you're going to eat like a pig, I'm going to feed you like a pig. <laughs> Wonderful lady. And so what she does is she, she gets him a trough. She builds him a pig trough and puts his food in it and makes him eat outside. Well, he's eating outside, and the, the, the husband, he doesn't do anything about it. He just lets his dad eat outside, the pig trough. And one day he comes home, and he sees his son, his little boy, is out in the yard, and he's building something. And he walks up to him and says, son, what are you building? He said, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm building a pig trough for you and mom when y'all get older, so you can eat out of it. Now, y'all, whenever, uh, you know, the fact is, when, when we are going to reap what we sow... And whenever we practice sex outside of marriage and what God says, let me tell you something, you are going to reap what you sow. There is a reason why God says the marriage bed is to be pure. There is a reason why God says that it is only to take place within the bounds of marriage. And it's not because God doesn't want us to have any fun. It's because God knows that there's a price to pay. What's that price? There's emotional scars. There's disease. There's unwanted pregnancies. There's hurt. There's pain. There's jealousy. God is serious about this. And what does God say? He says if we step outside of fidelity, He says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's frightening to me. But let me share with you some good news. Some of you might be saying, well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. You know, I've already stepped down. I'm already walking down that path. Here's, let me share some good news with you. That was 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. That's where it says a sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to read you the next verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Thank God for it. Here's what it says. It says, and he's talking to Christians here. He says, and that is what some of you were. Some of you were sexually immoral. But he said, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. In other words, when they turned to Jesus, they were redeemed from their former way of life. That is a hopeful message for you and me. Is that we too can be redeemed. Regardless of what we've done in the past. Now, here's the question for you today. Are you ready to be on God's intended path for your marriage, the path of fidelity? Do you want to be on that path? And for some of you, it might mean that you simply need to come to the Lord today and say, God, I've sinned against you. God, I've not honored my marriage. I've not respected it. God, I've been unfaithful. And, and, what, what, you and what you and I might need to do is just simply go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, I need your forgiveness. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. And you might know there's some relationships you might be in that you need to get out of right now. Because you want to honor your marriage because God says to. Maybe others of you here today, you just say, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to pray with my spouse. I need to take my spouse's hand right now and just simply say, God, I pray that you will create within me a new, a new love. And respect for my spouse. And even though I might not feel like doing it, God, I want to do it because I want to be obedient to you. Jesus said, if you love me, He said, you will obey what I command. And it could be others of us. We just simply need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I need your redemption. I need your salvation. And I want to give myself to you today.